back in 2005, I was living in this tiny apartment in Hollywood, which we like to call Holly Weird. And my buddy Jordan and I decided it was the summertime and we had to get out of the city. So as one does in your mid-twenties, we decided, we looked at the things we could do and saw the Baja 1000 course, which is the rally racing uh, trail that goes through the heart of Baja. It's better described perhaps as a trail over boulders and sand all the way down the Baja Peninsula. Had I been driving, I don't think we would have made it three miles. Uh, but fortunately, my friend um, was uh, an expert driver with a Subaru Outback that was made for just those conditions. We, over the course of this trip, we slept uh, on the beaches with howling winds that were too strong for us to even set up a tent. <laughs> but it was beautiful. The stars were crystal clear. It was amazing being out there. Because my friend was such a good driver, we ended up finishing this course a day earlier than we thought. So we looked around, looked at the maps, and found something we had never heard of before. It's called the Valle de Guadalupe. This is the Baja Peninsula's wine country. We knew nothing about it. It was not a popular destination at the time, but after Driving hundreds of miles through the desert, we thought it might be a pleasant break. When we came through the tunnel that leads into the valley, it was like a dream. There were lush vineyards tucked into this narrow valley with live oak trees lining the edges. It was spectacular. As we drove through the valley, we noticed one particularly stunning vineyard with a house on top of a hill. So we drove up to this house, and it was clear there's some kind of party going on at this house. So we thought, hey, why not? <laughs> We're up for a party. And uh, we jumped in, and we saw that there was a band of uh, college-age musicians playing Son Jorocho, which is like, uh, kind of like the Mexican equivalent to bluegrass. It's a, a, a folk music that comes from uh, the Veracruz area. And it's very fast and fun. But we saddled up next to the band, and uh, soon people were passing us bottles of unlabeled wine. They introduced us to the owner of the vineyard, a woman named Inez. Inez had moved from Ensenada to live a quieter life in the country. She took us for a tour of the vineyard, and she told us how she built everything herself. She set the rows of vines, constructed the grape press, chose the French oak barrels, and built that house on the hill. She grew Grenache and Cabernet that she had hand-selected in Europe. The property was only about three acres, but it was immaculate. When we told her what we went up to, she invited us to camp at a grove in the midst of that vineyard. You could tell that Miss Inez loved the vineyard. And we were deep, deeply, deeply grateful to be there 
with her. When I hear the gospel reading today, I can't help but think about Miss Inez. How she poured her love into that vineyard. And how beautiful it was to see it. Jesus starts off today by telling a story that everyone listening knows. In the same way that you or I would know if I said, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of Or, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Or maybe for the parents in the room, in the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of... Yes! Exactly. Jesus starts off with a story everyone knows. Today's Old Testament passage from Isaiah. You probably noticed the similarity this morning. It's a story of a man who builds a beautiful vineyard, puts great care into it, but the grapes of the vineyard don't yield a harvest. So the man gives up the vineyard to the passage of time, to the way of nature. In Isaiah, this story explained why Israel was defeated by foreign armies following a period of religious pluralism. Jesus references this story for a reason. The religious professionals will hear the story and understand immediately that Jesus is talking about a people who have turned from God and turned from justice. But here, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells the old story differently. In Jesus' story... A man carefully sets up a vineyard like Inez. He puts his heart into crafting a place of beauty. Then the owner has to go away, so he invites other people to stay in his beautiful vineyard. All these people have to do is take care of it. That is the deal. The tenants pay rent by taking care of the vineyard. But they don't. They don't take care of it. They don't share the harvest with the owner. The owner loves the vineyard, so he sends people to convince the tenants to shape up. But the tenants don't care. They beat and kill these messengers. Let's take a moment just to remember the context. Let's take a minute to go back to last week. Some of you were here and will remember. The chief priests are rattled by Jesus coming into this city. He's just come into this city with this triumphal entry, and he's shaking things up. So these chief priests and Pharisees, as they're threatened, come in, and they interrogate Jesus while he is teaching. Through parable, Jesus has told the chief priests that they are lower on the heavenly totem pole than the prostitutes and the tax collectors. This story picks up right there, right? Right after that engagement. In this setting, there are two primary audiences. They're the chief priests, and there's the crowd. Normal folks. Anybody that's not a religious professional. The amazing thing about this parable is that Jesus sends two seemingly conflicting messages to two different audiences at once. 
At once, he is reprimanding the priest for not taking care of this beloved vineyard, for not taking care of God's people. But he's also telling the crowd that God loves them. In the story, the owner loves the vineyard so much that he sends the most valuable thing he knows of, that he has, to protect the vineyard. His son. His child. Jesus is saying to the crowd, you are the beloved vineyard. There is nothing God won't do to care for you. Just like the owner of the vineyard, God repeatedly sends people that draw us back to the beauty of the vineyard and to care for all those people who are around us. People like MLK, or Oscar Romero, Joan of Arc, or St. Francis. It's hard to overstate the influence and importance of St. Francis of Assisi. Long before he was the namesake for the latest pope, Francis transformed the church. He founded three different orders, three subsets of the Franciscan order. Through writing like the Canticle of the Sun, he was one of the most outspoken celebrators of the natural world in human history. He venerated poverty. He was the first to receive the stigmata. Do you guys know what that is? Like the marks, the markings of Christ from his crucifixion. He was also the first to initiate nativity sets. Ah, kind of cool. I love that, you know, he affirmed Christ's welcoming God's presence among us through this, like, simple thing of remembering Jesus' birth. But I digress. Francis did all of this at a time of global unrest and political turmoil. Today, we refer to this time as the Crusades. As I was writing about this, I couldn't help thinking, what people are going to call this time we live in? What will it be? Is it like the decline (laughs) or the burst? With everything from cars and the internet being developed in the last hundred years, it will definitely be a noteworthy Time. Maybe it'll be a time of something that is just starting now, a spiritual awakening that is on the horizon. We don't know. But Francis was a key figure of hope and direction in a tumultuous time. Born in central Italy in Uh, 1181, he died in 1226. He chose poverty over seeking war and fame. He chose to reform at home instead of going abroad to solve the problems of others. We depict him with little stone garden gnomes and birds on their shoulders. But the truth is that he wasn't just like some hippie tree hugger. I'm a tree hugger, so don't, 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 don't mind that. Francis was a mystic who saw the unity of all creation and sought to live into that connection by imitating the life and teaching of Jesus. Fancy that. 
That was the core tenet, the regula primitiva of Francis's order, to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and to walk in his footsteps. In this way, Francis taught his followers to care for the vineyard. To attend not only to the churches, but also the lepers, the ill, the poor, the forgotten, the animals, the sun, the moon, the land. The vineyard is all of us. It is everything that is and was and is to come. The idea of caring for this interconnected miracle of being was not unique to Francis. It's not In his book, The Spell of the Sensuous, author David Abrams reminds us that for thousands of generations, human beings viewed themselves as part of the wider community of nature and carried on active relationships with animals, plants, mountains, rivers, winds, and weather patterns. Sophie, are you a weather pattern? She's a a high-pressure system. Uh, it's only post-enlightenment thought that has distanced humanity from the rest of creation by suggesting that all nature is nothing but the ticking of a clock whose gears we can study to glean its utility for humanity. That perspective separates us from the planet and the universe into which we are woven along with all other fabric, be it dog, cat, bunny, burning sun, or wave on the ocean. Again, Abrams puts it this way, along with the other animals, the stones, the trees, and the clouds, we ourselves are characters within a huge story that is visibly unfolding all around us, participants within the vast imagination or dreaming of the world. Today, this dreaming like Francis's vision of the deep connection between all things, is more important than at any time in the history of humanity. We are destroying the vineyard. We are hurting ourselves. We are neglecting the poorest among them, among us. Be it through climate change, species, extinction, or tax plans. Jesus cared for this vineyard, our vineyard, at the cost of his own life. Jesus cared for this vineyard. Francis cared for this vineyard. And now it is our turn. Our chance to love God and neighbor by caring, by tending to the planet, by tending to the poor, to the sick, by tending to our own suffering and to the suffering of others, by tending to our love our love for one another. That is our new era. The era of caring. The era of the vineyard. Amen.